All right, coming up, we break down the speculation that Darius Slayton for Chase Claypool is even remotely realistic for Big Blue. Why in the world would they be trading for Miles Gaskins? And is there something worth in changing a stadium name to get a little more cachet? Right after the theme music. Ah, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, also breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Nori. Over there, you're going to find the seasoned generational ticket holder, healthy, wealthy, and wise, Mr. Andrew McAwitz. Uh Adam, I'm feeling good. I, I correctly picked Xander Shoffley to win the Scottish Open and made a bunch of money on it. We now go to the Open Championship. It's It's Scotland this week for me. If there's any other golf fans out there, I am jazzed up during the dog days of summer for for some open championship. Nobody cares about golf, Andy. All right, moving into the New York football giants. Uh, Before we do, there's kind of a little little entryway here. Stalwarts of the NFL, things that you depend on, things you know will never change no matter what. It will always be Heinz Field, right? That's never going to change unless after 20-plus years, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be changing their stadium name. It got me thinking a little bit about the Giants side of it. But how do you feel about uh, Heinz Field going to be now renamed Acreshore? Acreshore Stadium after the Michigan-based insurance brokerage firm. How does that hit you, Andy? Understanding very clearly that Heinz obviously has big ties to Pittsburgh and the family and the ketchup. But Heinz is also a product. It's not like this, you know, this, is, this wasn't just Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium. But how does Acreshore land for you? It's it it's just bizarre, right? Like Acreshore is like a Michigan-based brokerage firm. It's like Acre they don't even have yeah, they don't even have <laughs> ties to to Pennsylvania. It doesn't really make any sense. But but every time that I think you I'm know what I bet be they like, have ties to though, Andy. What a lot money? of money. Yeah, money. Yeah, I was gonna say they probably have the coin. And like, I don't know, maybe it's the old man, the curmudgeon in me that like wants there to at least be some kind of like loose thread or affiliation to like whatever it is. But like, I mean, listen, the Staples Center was called the Staples Center. You almost forgot that Staples was a company. It, it like it just became yes. larger than life. And now it's it's the the crypto arena or something. And like they crypt. named it the crypt. Yeah, like but these these things happen. It'll change. And I'm sure, Adam, at some point. MetLife has to has to get out of out of the giant stadium and it has to be something else, right? Yeah. Do you, does anything come to mind to you when you think about like if you could name, if you could get more on brand while still cashing a very large check for the New York football giants? Is there anything that comes to mind? Because the first, like you try to think of blue, anything that's blue in the logo. I I thought of blue bunny ice cream, but I don't know if that's really going to strike fear into into the opponent's minds. Does anything any brands jump out to you as a nice synergy? of, of, uh, you know, company and team. Um, I, I mean, you said blue, I all of a sudden went to like blue bottle coffee. Like you could have some okay. kind of like coffee situation going on, but like, wouldn't it be great if it was like Joe Joe's pizza stadium? Like, let's just call, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Like New York, right. the New York tri-state area makes great pizza. Like what if we just like really owned that and leaned into it a little bit more? It's gotta be better than Acreshore, right? Like bagels and locks stadium. Like why right. not just really lean into uh, the experience? The other one though, for this is because I believe in rhyme schemes, 
Subaru Stadium, Subaru, Suba Blue, Subaru Blue Stadium. You, you, you oh. get where I'm going there. There's a lot of opportunities. Uh, I don't work in advertising. That's a big part of uh, my credentials that I still need to fill out a little bit. But when we talk about filling out the stadium and hopefully with fans this season, we talk about getting some big name cachet up in the lights. Is Saquon Barkley, should it just be Barkley Stadium? Is that what we should be going with heading into this season? Because by uh, through a number of, of media outlets, it looks like, and we both understand on this podcast how great Saquon Barkley is as a talent. But it looks like from all these different sources, Saquon's already going, man. He's going MVP. He's taking home comeback player of the year. He's going to the Pro Bowl, and he's going to lead the Giants to two playoff wins because it looks like all the boxes have been checked. All you have to do is rip that shirt off, Take a couple of sexy social media photos, and you're back on top. Well, you forgot the the coaching change, fresh start, new regime piece of it, where it's like I'm a new person because we've got this whole changeover. But yeah, Adam, a lot of schizophrenia, I, by the way, when teams change coaching staffs or change, you know, when there's turnover inside of an organization, it seems like collectively the entire roster goes through amnesia and is like, Bleh. Oh my God, I don't know what that was. It's like uh, Sam Beckett, Quantum Leap style. Please, though, continue. Yeah, I I agree. But everyone feels like they have a new lease on life. Like everything that happened in the past doesn't exist anymore. And, and it it holds truer for Saquon Barkley more than anyone else. And you, you, you as you mentioned, he has some of these photos of him looking absolutely chiseled specimen. He looks like it's, it's his comeback tour. He doesn't feel like he was utilized properly under Jason Garrett ultra ultra conservative play calling terrible porous offensive line now all of a sudden the stars are starting to align where you have creative play callers they want to get Saquon Barkley out in space he's starting to get healthy so the injuries aren't as big of a concern and it seems like everyone is is basically the consensus is that Saquon Barkley is going to be you know the team's engine and nfl.com came out and predicted that Saquon Barkley would be the mvp for the hey team now. in 2022, Adam. And so you've seen all these different things. Is I, I, I found it pretty puzzling when they said that Saquon Barkley would be the MVP for this team in 2022 because I actually don't see a world where Saquon Barkley becomes the MVP for the team. Can you, Adam? Well, this is where I think that you and I have been talking about so much recently, like what are expectations? And we think they're going to use them a lot more in the passing game, as you just mentioned there. How many carries do we anticipate Saquon Barkley to be having, right? Because if you want to say Saquon's going to be the MVP for this team, then he has to be carrying the ball 250 plus times this year, right? And adding on another 65 to 75 catches. Like he needs to be the focal point of the offense, which would seem counterintuitive to the two systems that are bring, being brought in with, with Kafka and with Dable. Now, you could make the case when you look at Kansas City or at Buffalo and, and the Bills and the Chiefs. Obviously, they never had this type of running back talent, this sole talent in the room. But so much about their offenses are predicated on utilizing everything to create the big play opportunities for player X for player Y. Like We just went through the idea of how much is this going to spread around across all these guys on the offensive side if everyone is healthy. So that would, to me, diminish the ability for Saquon to be the MVP of this team. And if he's being successful and everyone else is being successful, then I think you start to look at other players potentially that would take that honor. Right. That's, that's kind of where my head goes on this is I can't really even figure out a world where Saquon becomes the MVP because 
it listen, as you mentioned, it's not it's not for a lack of talent that he can't be the MVP. Mm. We know that when he's healthy, he is an explosive player. But to your point, Adam, we're, we're no longer going to use him like a workhorse and give him 25 carries in the backfield. Like that's not his role. And if we are going to spread it out, you you would tend to think that like that would actually put Daniel Jones in the conversation of, of being an MVP for the team more than it would Saquon Barkley, just given the idea of like, if you need to pick an offensive person, if this team is going to humble along, it's rests squarely on the shoulders of, of Daniel Jones. Uh, it, to me, it's, it's well, tough I guess- because, well, let me ask, because like, do you think that do you think there's a chance that that is the approach that the Giants are going to take? Like, let me let, let me paint this picture. The New York Giants are coming into the season knowing they're not necessarily, you know, we don't know how competitive their ceiling is going to be. How far do they think they can go? At least right now for me, and I know fans in, in the YouTube chat disagree with me, but this is the last year for Daquan Barkley. You know, barring the team taking a seismic leap forward from a wins and loss standpoint and saying, well, Bringing him back makes sense because Daniel Jones has checked all the boxes and we're ready to go. We can go compete right now, right? We were a nine-win team this year and maybe a 10-win team this year, and that means it's worth it to invest in the running back position with big dollars and keep going for it, right? Barring that, I it's just do you think that the team would say, all right, we're going to grind you into the ground because this is your last season. We're going to squeeze every last drop of you set you up on the market for a huge payday and then say, thank you so much. And farewell. Like, is there any chance they would do that to try to maybe protect putting too much expectations on Daniel Jones or internally feeling maybe Daniel Jones, isn't the guy here. And we're just trying to balance the books of like having a positive storyline for the first season of Brian Dable, the first season of Joe Shane. Well, what what you bring up is an interesting point because Saquon wasn't drafted by Joe Shane. You know, Saquon wasn't requested by Brian Dable or Mike Kafka to be on this roster and use the number two pick. They, while, while they like him as a player, they don't have the allegiance that Dave Gettleman did saying that he was a gold jacket type player. So to your point, could they, in theory, just say, yeah, we're, we're going to give him the ball as much as humanly possible. If he is healthy, he will get the ball 20, 20 to 22 touches a game and we will ride him into the ground. Like right. that is a possibility, but the way that the offensive scheme for Kafka and Dable seems to be shaping up is that 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 just would be counterintuitive to what that we're seeing, in, in, you know, in camp where it's like what we drafted Wandell Robinson to be this like, you know, explosive gadget, you know, misdirection type of player. We have someone like Kadarius Tony. We have Kenny Galladay coming off an of injury like it, it. It would not make sense to me for Saquon Barkley to be getting that many touches, especially when you hear all the things that they're saying. They are putting him on the outside. They are getting him the ball in space. It, the usage of Saquon Barkley is going to be drastically different than it was under the old regime. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how many touches he's getting into wide receiver spot. And again, health is going to play a big factor, not just for him, but for everybody. If you see injuries at wide receiver, then Saquon Barkley's profile gets elevated that much higher. But again, yeah, if you're trying to if you're trying to build a smart team going forward, it's always about balance and consistency, regardless of what player or personnel you're talking about. And it makes it hard. It just makes it hard for me to think that they're going to give him the type of volume coming off of an injury and say, Take off the training wheels, brother. You're going for it. You know, all gas, no breaks. And then what? By weeks three or four, you're talking about being you know completely broken down. Maybe he has MVP opportunities for a team. Maybe it's just not the Giants by the end of the year. We turn our attention then over to another interesting one. Further down the roster here is one Darius Slayton. And we've talked about before what's going to happen with him 
We thought, you know, he can be a cut candidate because obviously the money on the books, he could be a trade candidate because he is at least a player that can take the top off of a defense. He has to work on those issues around securing the catches. But I found it, there's one, there's two scenarios that were put out there from a trade perspective. One, I understand and can wrap my head around and make sense in the short and long term for the Giants. And then the other one seems like a classic case of in the internal view looking out is a thousand percent delusional from a Giants fan base perspective. Hit us with um, whichever one, whatever, whichever one you want to go first, reasonable yeah. or unrealistic. So, so the reasonable one that, that came out is a trade basically straight up uh, running back Miles Gaskin of the Miami Dolphins in a trade for Darius Slayton. The money is about the same for both of them. Obviously, with the Dolphins uh, signing Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds in the offseason, Miles Gaskin has kind of moved down in the pecking order or, or the priority. They seem to have a surplus of, of running backs, and obviously the Giants have a multitude of wide receivers. After after Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell, you know, Devontae Parker just left. It seems to make sense logically to do this type of swap. And I, I think you would agree that this one is a little bit more reasonable, even if both of us wouldn't necessarily say that it's a necessary move for the Giants. Yeah, well, this is this to me is the short-term, long-term one because you go inside, you say it's buried down the depth chart there um, in Miami. You know that they're they're going to go with that top end of the roster. There is Sony Sony Michelle is on the the Dolphins now as well. Am I uh, am I reading that correctly? That he he went from that he that he just went and joined the uh, the Miami Dolphins. That's a surprising one to me. You learn yes, new things he, every day. He, so so yeah, so like that's why Miles Gaskin becomes so expendable. They have four or five even you know veteran quality running backs on the roster right now. And and so here's what's interesting. One, uh, Gaskins is in the final year of his contract. So that's a reason why this trade makes a lot of sense on both sides. Final year for both players, value at the position, not nearly the same for the Giants as it maybe would be for Miami. And again, another player for them to stretch the field, get down deep there and hopefully help their new regime get off on a good foot. The I think if you're the Giants and you want to have a little bit of a security blanket, you can go back and look at what, uh, Gaskins has been able to do you know he carried the ball 173 times last year 142 the year prior he averaged just 3.5 yards per carry last season although the Dolphins were certainly a, a team in a bit of transition 4.1 the year prior he's nothing to write home about I think he's an okay guy to bring in if you want to have some insurance I, we already know the Giants have Brita on the roster so that feels comfortable the only way this would make sense to me is if you think you're also you're maybe showcasing and he could be another bridge guy for us to bring back next year in the off season. But I I'm fine with it. I think it, it would make sense for both sides in the sense of, yeah, we don't need what we have. And this maybe would be something we could add into the mix, right? Because who knows what it is behind Brita. This would be an NFL experienced player to push a, a Brightwell, to push a Corbin, anybody that you're going to have on the roster for Big Blue. Well, but but you kind of spoke to it. Miles Gaskin in, in his three year career is a 3.8 yards per rush kind of guy. He's he's not even a four yards per carry. And like, but he is also a 49 reception and 41 reception in the last two years on 53 and 47 targets. He is a he is a guy that does secure the catch. Just to put it, yeah, in. that that is true. He is a threat, you know, to to catch the ball out of the backfield, but. Like Miami's kind of told you how they feel about him, and they told you in a big way because they signed Sony Michelle, Everyone Raheem Mostert, <laughs> and yeah, and, and gave Chase Edmonds big money. Like they they were literally like, I, did they call you and ask you if you wanted to try out Adam? Because it sounds like they pretty much took any free agent running back and were like, that person's better than Miles Gaskin for us. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing is, too, it's like a little north of $2 million for Gaskins as well. So from a Giants perspective, what are we gaining here, right? right? We're, we're going to swap out the money. And like so from, from a talent and the value on a roster standpoint, I actually might even argue that the Giants would be better off keeping Darius Slayton for the value that he would have in the receiving core as opposed to what Gaskins would be adding into the running back room, right? So well, yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I was going to say is also, so we bring Miles Gaskin in. We know he's a known commodity. He's 3.8 yards yards per, per carry. I like, he's 25 years old. Matt Breida is only 27 years old, even though he feels like he's been in the league forever. You have Antonio Williams who signed. You got Jay Sean Corbin at the end uh, after the draft, and, and you give him a nice little hefty paycheck. I'd rather see what you have in the running back room that we have then throw Miles Gaskin in there to get you plot along for three and a half yard, yards per carry. That to me, it just doesn't make sense to improve the roster. Yeah, I guess you'd only. I guess the only argument you would make is that Gaskins has NFL experience. He started in this league, so if if something happened to Saquon Barkley, now you have Breida, you have Gaskins, two experienced guys. If you want to make sure that potentially the team is playing pretty well and you want to try to keep that going we as a podcast personally would be like, no, show me the young guys, right? Show me Brita, show me Brightwell, show me Williams, show me Corbin, like just show me the young guys. That's what this season should be about. If someone were to go down with injury, the young talent should have the first opportunity to be able to improve uh, this roster and be able to prove their standing. So, so that was, so that was the reasonable one where it's yeah. like, Oh, we could bat it around. Doesn't really sure. make too much sense. I wouldn't do it because we, Adam and I both uh, agree that we want to see the young players, but then the other one, obviously we follow some of the other um, great content creators for, for, for the giants. One of them mm-hmm. is, is big blue view. And they did a mailbag where a bunch of people wrote in and were asking, why wouldn't the giants look to trade Darius Slayton for chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers? And why not? Yeah. And, and, and I think all of us kind of went, sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't we do that? And then like, this is, this is the thing where people kind of forget what the value is of our own players on the open market. Right, Adam? I think so. Well, I mean, why would, why would Pittsburgh be suddenly giving up on, on their talent two years into his career? Now, the, the, the interesting thing is, and I'll try to get the comp fully up here. Comp numbers fully up is what is Chase Claypool? He's a big playmaker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? 62 receptions on 109 targets his rookie season. Better than 50% catch rate, but in that weird kind of, you know, it's a coin flip opportunity. Big boom, big bust. 873 in terms of yards, nine touchdowns. Big rookie season. Only two touchdowns this past year. We know what happened, though, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have Roethlisberger coming to the end of the line. Things are kind of breaking down a little bit throughout the year for them. Still pulls down 59 on 105 for 860 and those two touchdowns, as I mentioned. But, like, you're just scratching the surface of what Chase Claypool is going to be for you as an NFL-wide receiver. And you took him early in his draft class, earlier than maybe he was projected. This was this would be like a Wandale Robinson type of move, right? We saw the guy that we wanted and we believed in and we went and we took him. And his name was rising. His stock was rising. So why would Pittsburgh be pulling the plug? going into year number three of a guy that they have two years of control as they enter this season. Well, the other question is like, Adam, forget about money, forget about draft status, forget about any, anything else. Who do you think is like you personally, who do you think is a better football player, Darius Slayton or Chase Claypool? Well, it's, yeah, it's obviously it's Chase Claypool. By the way, remember back in the draft, I was big <laughs> on Chase Claypool at the time. I, you, you were a very big Chase Claypool guy. And so like Chase Claypool is younger. He has less tread on the tire. He was more accomplished in college. He was higher drafted. He makes less money than Darius Slayton does right now. And so like swapping a wide receiver for a wide receiver when Darius Slayton's in the last year of his deal, 
literally makes no sense. Like I, I, I can't saying, even not wrap to my mention head Darius like Slayton's in the last year of his contract. Right. So like, so uh, the, the whole thing makes no sense to me. And the reason why we talked about this before the show is because maybe people forget like Darius Slayton was a late round pick that the giants have gotten good production out of, you know, fifth or sixth round pick that comes in and gives you a few hundred, you know, 800 yards his rookie season. That is successful. We've gotten everything that we can out of Darius Slayton. When people are looking at, at improving the roster and making trades, we need to stop thinking about offensive weapons and think about other areas of need, like, I don't know, maybe inside linebacker, which is clearly a deficiency for the Giants. Stop focusing on running backs, wide receivers, tight ends in a swap for Darius Slayton, and think about how to improve like around the edges, places that we need players like someone to be able to play alongside Blake Martinez. Yeah, that's where I think we talk about it. It's like, what are you looking to make these moves for? What are you trying to improve? A like for like swap a position, to your point, makes absolutely zero sense. When we talk about Julian Love and what can be expected of him versus what could you maybe turn him into, that's so much of what we're, what, what we're discussing here is can you get another inside linebacker to put next to, next to Blake Martinez or in behind Blake Martinez? Can you add a depth piece across the offensive line if you don't feel like you have the full security and comfort there? Can you add a cornerback on the outside that you know you're going to need in case Aaron Robinson can't step up and perform to the level you need him to across from Adoree Jackson, right? Like there's so many, you can list four or five positions of real need that the Giants have and the wide receiving core isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but the time to make a move like this or like any of these where you say, we want to get in a wide receiver, that's next off season, whether it's on the open market or whether it's through the draft class, Adding in the next layer of value that you want comes after you take a look at Kadarius Tony this year and the health of Kenny Galladay and what happens there. What does Saquon Barkley look like? What does some of the young running backs look like? But right now you automatically know the areas of need that the Giants have. And yeah, I, I just, again, you want to make a trade for Chase Claypool? Okay, how many picks are you going to, you know, what kind of picks are you throwing in there with it? What what are you going to give up in future assets to go get Chase Claypool? Again, adding that Bree, uh, adding uh, Gaskins from Miami. What is that accomplishing in the grand scheme of things? And everything that Joe Shane is trying to do from a GM level is put pieces in place and build going forward. There is a competitive baseline that you want to set for this team so that on a year-to-year basis, we're talking about seven, eight, nine wins immediately as opposed to three, four, and five. But, but, but the, none of these names, well, it's none of these discussions are either one, going to elevate the overall talent and value of the team and ability to win games, or are realistic enough that the Giants can go out and achieve without sacrificing capital that I think you'd turn around another year and say, hey, Chase Claypool is going to be coming up for a contract discussion in another year. Are the Giants even thinking about bringing him back after sacrificing multiple draft picks to go get him? Yeah, Adam, it, it makes me think very simply. At the end of the day on the discussion with Darius Slayton, the, the simple question is that I have for you is, wouldn't you prefer getting, say, a fifth-round pick to plan for the future for Darius Slayton over getting someone like Miles Gaskin on the roster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather, yes, exactly. I'd rather have the draft capital than have the, well, again, a final year contract of a running back. The, one of the right. most replaceable commodities, right, in the in the NFL today. It's a guy that, Miles Gaskin, you wouldn't even think, tw- I'll tell you what would happen. I'd immediately in the offseason go, you're not re-signing Miles Gaskin? You just traded for him last year instead of going out and getting a pick or getting another area of need, and now you're going to let him walk. A guy that I wouldn't care about having on the team, I would actually start to say, well, you better bring him back. Otherwise, why did you go and facilitate that move? And I will say, at the end of the day, 
Um, when you look at Darius Slayton's numbers, I know that the last season was disappointing. But the one thing I'm going to keep hanging my hat on, and I think maybe he will get traded, but ultimately, or, or, or outright released, who knows? But ultimately, if you're if we're going to say that Daniel Jones deserves a pass because of everything that's happened on the team, et cetera, if we're going to always look at so many of the talent pool and say, well, Kenny Galladay, injuries, whatever, but now if he gets healthy, Kadarius Tony, if he's on the field, all the young players on the defensive side of the ball. Well, if, 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 okay, then Darius Slayton, who has had a hard time catching passes, securing looks, right? But I'm going to go back in and say he came out as a rookie, 48 on 84 for 740, 50 on 96 for 751, and then he had a big drop off the, this past year, a bad year for the team overall, a terrible year for the team overall. I'm not saying that he's more than a 50-50 guy that can stretch the field, but you know what? Out of all these options we're talking about, I'll just keep Darius Slayton in his fifth year and I'll let him walk in the off season and I'll see, Hey, maybe he shows you something and he's worth bringing back on another contract just to be the third, fourth, fourth wide receiver. Not the worst thing in the world to see if you can't build him back up. And I'm going to put faith in the coaching staff and Dable and Kafka to maximize maybe what he could be in the short term. And then if it ends up being nothing and he walks away, he walks away. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. This isn't me putting my, putting all my chips in on a Darius Slayton. But I also think you can always say the grass is greener by making these other moves. Maybe it's okay just to stand pat and see what happens. You follow us on YouTube, friends. You get us on the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back in throughout this week, probably fleshing out some interesting scenarios like this, the rumors and speculation around the NFL that maybe the Giants can get in on and maybe, uh, you know, maybe get uh, 250 back on a dollar for, for some of these players that they have currently on the roster. Until next time, though, as Andy Makovitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.